Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. He is risen. That's your first time at church and you've never heard that call and response. Uh, we're not trying to scare you. It's just uh, how we celebrate on Easter to celebrate the fact that he truly has risen. Uh, Matthew 28, 5 and 7 says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven Going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. So happy Resurrection Sunday, Mission City Church. My name is Russell. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad that you are joining us today as we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, In this, uh, uh, he has defeated death, and we put our hope and trust in him. And we do believe that one day that he will come back and we'll get to be with him forever as well. Uh, One of my favorite stories growing up was uh, a book that was written by C.S. Lewis uh, called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Are we all familiar with this, uh, this classic? Uh, maybe not. If you haven't, it's okay. Uh, I, wasn't ex- I actually wasn't exposed to this first, like from the book. Uh, I wasn't exposed to this from the Disney uh, version of it. I was exposed to it at my grandmother's house from these uh, very old BBC versions of these stories. Anyone ever see any of these? Thank you, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so uh, they're, they're really somewhat cheesy and like the, the, the talking animals are like wearing full on animal costumes, uh, which is really funny. But there's a picture of the kids. Uh, this, these, were the, these were the four kids uh, that, that I used to. So Peter, Susan, Lucy, and Edmund are the, are the four kids. But this is them with Aslan, who is like kind of the lion, like the godlike figure uh, in, in the story. Uh, now these, the next one, the Disney uh, picture is much, much better, much, uh, you know, CGI has improved dramatically since those. Uh, but seriously, like almost every holiday, I would go to my grandmother's house, my grandma and grandpa's, and we would, my, we would have a kid's table set up in the other room, not to bother the adults, which I happen to stay there. If I was going there now, I'd still be at the kid's table. Uh, and they had this old VHS. Uh, you guys know what a VHS is? Probably half you don't. Uh, but we had this old VHS that was super worn out of the line, the witch in the wardrobe. But I love that story. And if you don't know the story, it's uh, it's a story of four children who find a secret passage to a new world to them called Narnia uh, through a world dro- wardrobe while they're playing hide and seek. And uh, as I made that connection today or re- re-remembered that, uh, I, I realized why I never liked to play hide and seek as a kid because I always thought that maybe I'd find a magical world get stuck there. And uh, But anyway, that's a more of an aside. But the younger sister, Lucy, the youngest one, uh, 
enters a wardrobe and discovers the magical world of Narnia first, and she meets a fawn named Mr. Tumnus, and uh, although Lucy's siblings initially uh, don't believe her, her uh, second oldest brother, Edmund, follows her into the wardrobe and winds up separate from her. She goes to see Mr. Tumnus. He, go, or she, he goes and meets the White Witch and has Turkish delight, which I still don't know what it is, but it sounds so delightful, you know? Has anyone actually ever had Turkish delight before? One, of course, okay. Is it good? Is it good? Oh, okay, didn't even know that. All right. Uh, it's candy, so it has to be good, right? So, the, but the witch basically uh, encourages him, persuades him to bring his siblings back to her uh, and, 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 and basically so that she can take over Narnia. She's trying to circumvent the authority of Aslan in, in the world, right? So uh, Edmund comes back, denies, and picks on Lucy a little bit, but eventually all four kids enter, enter into Narnia, and, uh, and it's really cool. They meet some talking animals, uh, specifically talking beavers, uh, and they hear a story of the true ruler of Aslan, uh, and they, yeah, it's, they're just enamored by this. They, they love it, and they kind of go on this adventure. Fast for, forward a little bit. Spoilers. Sorry. I know. It's Easter. Spoiler. Uh, but Edmund... Uh, has betrayed his siblings by kind of following the, 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 the white witch. Um, and he's, he's betrayed Aslan in some ways without even knowing it. And so eventually there comes to a point at, some of the, at the climax of the story where the, the white witch uses Edmund's betrayal uh, and she evokes, it's a, it's, a, it's a fantasy book, okay? So let's just be okay with this. She evokes this deep magic from the dawn of time, uh, which gives her the right to kill Edmund for his treason. Dun, 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 what's going to happen, right? So and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But leading up to Easter, we've been in a series where we've been looking, uh, it's been called the, the Mosaic of the Cross, it's called Mosaic. And a mosaic is a beautiful piece of art that have, that have individual sections that make up a whole. And instead of emphasizing just one aspect uh, of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, we've been looking at uh, a few different pieces. They're, they're called atonement theories in kind of like the systematic theological world to see a greater picture of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And so we've been looking at, if you imagine you know, Jesus on the cross, either his feet that are there and his feet represent Jesus is the human representative uh, of all creation. Like he is the head of all creation and that's foundational because he can represent us on the cross and the heart we talked about that Jesus laid down his life for us for the forgiveness of sins to restore us back to God. Uh, the hands we talked about last week that Jesus models for us how to live and that we are an extension of his hands here and now uh, as, and now as we call others back to himself. And so today we're looking at the crowning head that G Jesus triumphs over sin, evil, and death. This atonement theory, is, if you want to Google it sometimes, it's called Christus Victor, which is the Latin form of it. But it's this element of the atoning work of Christ that emphasizes the triumph of Christ over the evil powers of the world through which he rescues his people and establishes a new relationship between God and the world. Now, a few questions might come to your mind as you think about Jesus dying and rising again. Like, what is, how is that triumph? What, is that, what does that look like? Like, how can you say that Jesus is victorious over evil and the world uh, when the world still looks the way that it does, right? Like, we, I think we could all agree there's still evil in this world, there's still, like, we encounter evil in this world. And so how can we say that Jesus has triumphed over evil? And I, I want to introduce you to this concept you may be familiar with, but in, 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 in 
theology circles, we call this the already but not yet, that Jesus has already triumphed over evil but not yet fully and he will finally finish it when he comes and returns. And so we live in between two tensions right now that Jesus has come and that Jesus will come and we participate in Christ's work of expanding his rule, expanding his triumph over evil by living and being obedient to what Jesus has called us to do. Uh, and so, but in that, the, the, the result of, of his death and resurrection is that he has triumphed over evil. And, and when we experience evil against ourselves or when we experience trouble in this world, when life is trouble uh, or, 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 or this, this, this world is just so hard, one of the things that we have hope in is we have hope in the fact that Jesus will return, that there's a future glory, there's a future time that when Jesus comes back, that will be, everything will be made right again, everything will be made new again. The Apostle Paul says it this way, he says, Romans 8.18, it should be on the screen, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he's talking about this future time where Jesus is going to come again and he's going to establish, not that he's already won, but he's going to establish fully his kingdom. And so we hold on, we wait, and we participate in the, in the work of God, uh, extending his kingdom wherever we can. So he's already triumphed, but not yet fully as well. And so the second thing uh, is, is how does one win by dying, right? Like, this is weird. This doesn't seem like victory. This doesn't seem like triumph. How does one win by, by dying, by laying down his life? How does a crown of thorns convey triumph? Uh, John 19, 1 through 3, as this is on the way to being crucified. Then Pilate took Jesus and, hand, uh, and, and had him flogged, which is a word for beaten, and the soldiers twisted a, a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him with purple robe. And these thorns weren't like these little thorns that you would, you know, on your little nice knockout roses that are bouncing back right now. These suckers are, are, are you know, these, these things were digging into his head, causing him to bleed. And they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. How does this convey, how does this communicate Triumph. So back to the, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. So Edmund, he deserves treason, or, or he deserves death for his treason. Uh, and this is very reminiscent of us, that we deserve death because of our own treason or own decisions that we've made to go against God's uh, will and his good plan in this world. And uh, Aslan, if you're not familiar with the, the story of the Chronicles of Narnia. Aslan is this lion who is this godlike creature in the stories. And Adlan, Aslan speaks to the witch alone. And on his return, he announces uh, that the witch has renounced her claim to, uh, to Edmund's life. Like he's, he's going to be able to go free. And why? And what we later find out is that Aslan chose to lay down his life. He chose to lay down his life on the stone table and is put to death uh, so that Edmund could be freed. Now, again, this is very much so, uh, this is very much so, it's like almost exact of what Jesus does for us. We, are, have, we have treason against God and his good world, and, and Jesus comes and lays down his life for us. But in the same way that Jesus on the third day rose again, the next morning, he didn't have to wait as long in the Chronicles of Narnia, the next morning, Aslan is resurrected. 
by, and, and he describes it as a deeper magic uh, from before the dawn of time, which has the power to reverse death if a willing victim takes the place of a traitor. Now, what I'm not suggesting, uh, what happened with Jesus and why it counts as victory is that it's a deep form of magic. That's not, that's not what I, I am suggesting at all. What I am suggesting, though, is the result of Jesus' death and resurrection is victory over death, evil, and sin. That Jesus dying and rising again, that, that, that he has triumphed over death, evil, and sin, and, and that God had an ancient plan where Jesus, the plan was that Jesus was going to die and rose again. The first sermon uh, after Pentecost, when Peter is, is preaching it in Acts chapter 2, I only have a time to pull a little segment out of this, in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, he says, this, this man was handed over to you, this is Peter talking, by by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and, and you, with the help of the wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So this, this whole plan, was, 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 this was God's plan. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so God uh, knew in, that he knew that he was going to have to interact and to come in to uh, creation and to act so that something could happen, something could change in humanity, and he chose to come himself, dying and rising again. And the result of this the result of this is that Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victorious over sin. He is victorious over death, and he is victorious over evil. Uh, a lot, one point that scholars do make when they talk about this specific model is it's not answering the question of how. Like, let's get into the interesting details of how is this triumph over evil. It's more getting at the result. Is this, 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 this idea is that triumph is the result. It is not necessarily the explanation as well. And so we're going to talk, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about uh, the results of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so we're going to talk about the three things I've already mentioned, that Jesus triumphs over sin, he triumphs over uh, evil, and he triumphs over death. And what are the implications to us because of that? So first, let's look at this, is that Jesus triumphs over uh, sin. Jesus triumphs over sin. So verse Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14 says this. It says, when you, almost there, when you, there we go, when you were dead in your sins, uh, in your circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all sins, having canceled the charge of our indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away and nailing it to the cross. So when we, when he's talking about you, he's talking about all humanity, at some point, all humanity, we are all, uh, we are all dead in our sins. We are all far away from God because of the, the, the evil and the wrongdoing that we've done in this world. But because of belief in Jesus, God has made us alive with Christ, forgiving us of our sins. Not just canceling it, but forgiving us. Forgiveness. Wow, it's such a powerful thing. Having canceled the charge uh, of indebtedness. Like Edmund, we deserved death, but the result of our life uh, is, de is death. But Jesus died in our place and was victorious over sin, canceling the debt that we have. And so God makes us alive with Christ. He gives you forgiveness. I was, um, I was scrolling on Instagram 
I don't know what they're called because I'm really bad with social media. Reels? Are there reels on Instagram? Is that a thing? Not just TikTok? Cool, thank you. Um, So I was scrolling on that, uh, which I do from time to time. And uh, I got stuck on um, this comedian who I did not know who it was, still couldn't tell you who it was. If you even show me a picture of him, I don't know who it is. But he was talking about how um, he had gone to church for the first time and how amazing it was. And I don't know if it doesn't sound like he was a believer. And I was like, that's weird because like my perspective of like just popular culture, although this guy could have not been popular, the algorithm could have just sent me like what I wanted to hear. (laughs) And we all know it's very possible. (laughs) As I think about that, now this isn't working for me. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so the algorithm sent me this thing, right? And uh, I, um, but he was talking about how how attractive uh, Christianity is or how attractive being in a a worship service was. And his reasons were because of the love that you hear about that God has for you, and because of the forgiveness that you that, that, that they teach, that you receive forgiveness from Jesus for the, the things that you have done that are wrong. And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing to, to, to think about is, I don't, I don't want us to, to roll past that, like Jesus died to, to forgive you of your sins, and Jesus conquered sin on the cross because he was perfect, and he, he, was, he was not guilty, and he died for the guilty. But like to believe the fact that you are forgiven in Jesus' name and his blood, that you are forgiven, that is so powerful. And you know, I don't know if you're carrying a weight right now of maybe something that is from your past or something that's currently going on, or um, or, or I don't or, or I don't know, but Jesus, uh, if you put your faith in him, if you believe in Jesus, like this is why he died so that you could experience your forgiveness. And he rose again so that you can have life as well. And so uh, I, I hope that you, you hear that. The other thing that, that, that he said that, that he also talks about is having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness. Like he's canceled your debt. Jesus has now canceled our debt that we could not pay. Uh, if you've ever been in debt before, uh, it's, there, it, there's a, there's a pressure, there's a weight of making those payments and not having enough that is real. And Jesus did that with a life or death situation where you had a debt that was going to lead to death and that Jesus had canceled that for you. He canceled the charge that, 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 that was against you too, and he did it by nailing it to the cross. So Jesus triumphs over sin. The second thing that Jesus triumphs over is he triumphs over evil. Colossians 2 continues in verse 15, and it says this. Uh, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so, let me read that again. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them uh, by the cross. And so not only did Jesus triumph over sin, but he also triumphs over evil. He's disarmed the powers and authorities, and he, he did it through dying on the cross. 1 John 3, 8 says this. He says, um, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, which 
That's a, that's a warning passage for everyone. We can talk about it at a different time. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. So one of the reasons why Jesus came, he appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus triumphs over the power and authority uh, in the world. We can be set free from evil and darkness because Jesus has disarmed them. Uh, he, he, he destroys the work of the evil one as well. And so that's one of the things that he came to do. And I, I, love, the, I love the phrase disarming, right? Like he has, he has, uh, he has taken, he, like it, the, my image that comes to my mind, uh, again, the immaturity that I have, and I always relate things to movies, but I, I think about, um, I want to say it's from one of the Rush Hour movies where uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are like having, like, Chris Tucker's holding a gun. If you've not seen this movie, it's okay. Uh, and Jackie Chan just keeps taking the, the gun away from him, like in a funny way. If you haven't seen it, it's okay. Go Google it. Don't watch the whole movie. It's not worth it. Uh, what did you say? <laughs> I'm sorry for offending you, Luke. Uh, but it's this idea, like I think about someone, I'm sure George is here. George, if I had, if I had a weapon and you needed to disarm me, would you be able to do it? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's full confidence, right? But, but I, that's what I think about, and I and I think about it in, in, in some ways, in, in a silly way. Like Jackie Chan is known for like a lot of his the, the fighting in his movies, and so Chris Tucker's more of a comedian. He's it's kind of like a joke, and he's holding a gun, and Jackie Chan takes it away like he's a child. But Jesus, d- Jesus disarms the enemy in the, in this way. Like he, the the enemy thinks they have power, and Jesus disarms them. He takes away their power, and this is what he does by laying down uh, his life on the cross for us. And so there's hope in this. And if you're, if you're fearful about the world, if you're fearful about evil in this world, knowing that Jesus has already won, like it's, it, this should give us hope. This should change the way we think a little bit. So Jesus triumphs over sin, over evil, and then finally he triumphs over death as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 is this. Uh, I'm going to start, death has been swallowed up in victory. So right in the middle right there. So death has been swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death has been swallowed up. It is gone. There is no more death. There is no more sting because of what Jesus has done. Now, I've, I've done a few funerals in my, in my lifetime um, as a pastor, not a ton, but in my short time as a pastor. And one of the most hopeful places uh, when, when people are mourning it is this idea, and it's for me when I've lost loved ones as well, is the fact that Jesus has triumphs over death. Because Jesus triumphs over death, for those who believe in him, there is no fear in death. If you don't, there, 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 like, there is lots of fear in death because there's a lots of unknown and uncertainty. And, um, and, and, and I, I like to think about like this from the standpoint of the idea of sting. Like There's no sting in death from that verse, 1 Corinthians passage. Uh, I don't really like things that sting me personally. And uh, I, um, when I was, my first day of kindergarten, I was, had a great first day of kindergarten. I'm sitting on the bus. I have my head outside of the window because you're not supposed to do that, but that's what I'm doing. I'm in kindergarten. And I'm just sitting there and I get stung by a yellow jacket. Ruins the whole first day of school, right? Because 
like why? Because who, who wants to be stung by a bee? And some of you probably are allergic to, to, to things that sting you, like bees. And then, like, you need an EpiPen. And then we have some, like, really serious issues here. But I don't like things that sting. It hurts, right? Like, uh, I actually have a picture of things that sting or, or bite you. I, I recently was in the Amazon, I, I, and I received about 120 uh, mosquito bites, which isn't horrible, except for when they start itching. But, um, but, but. Uh, anyone, like, I'm not a big fan of wasps, right? Like, that's just not cool. Hornets, uh, they're the ones, are, are the hornets the ones that, that, that who, who digs their, uh, their, their things in the grass? Which one are those people? You know what I'm talking about? Nests in the ground. Yellow jackets. Yeah, I, I don't like them. You know why? I was cutting my grass last year, and I n- nicked a yellow jacket, uh, uh, what, nest, and I got stung like six times. Why? Because I disrupted their home and they got mad at me, but they were in my yard. It wasn't my fault. But I don't like things that sting me. And uh, and and I don't. Anyone else just like when when a bee or a wasp or something like that comes around, they kind of just get like they saw a large spider or a snake and they just kind of run out of the room. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're the brave one in your family and you're the one that kills them. But like I just don't like it. I would be completely cool with all of these insects if they didn't have their stinger, right? Like, you could come to my picnic, you could come hang out with me, or, or the fire ants up there, I don't know why. But, uh, but you can come just as long as you didn't sting me. Uh, I, I like butterflies for, for this reason. Why do people, like, just like when you see a butterfly, like it's a nice thing? Because you know that thing's not going to hurt you. And, uh, and I think, when I think about what Jesus has done with death, is that death has taken the sting out of death. Jesus has removed the sting out of death where it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't hurt the same way because we have hope. And, and what that means too is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you, if you put your tr- faith and trust in his death and his resurrection, that when you even think about dying yourself, th- there isn't the same sting, there isn't the same fear because there is hope in the one who has triumphed over death and his name is Jesus. And so as we finish today, I'm going to invite uh, the band to come back up, but as we finish today, we, we, we do believe that Jesus has triumphed over sin, over evil, and over death, and, uh, and, and, and the good news for us is this, is if we are, if we've believed in him, if, if we are, faith is in Jesus, then we triumph over sin and evil and death as well, that we triumph uh, with Christ, we've experienced victory and triumph through Jesus Christ. Uh, John, Jesus was teaching in John chapter 16. Uh, he's actually talking about leaving, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's going to come a little later, but he says, I've told you these things so that you know that in me that you may have peace. In this world, you will face trouble, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. First John 5, 4 and 5 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has come over, uh, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Who is it? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who shares the triumph in Jesus? Those who believe that Jesus in his death and his resurrection, that he is the Son of God. And if you've never believed this today, if you've never shared in the victory of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, found forgiveness, uh, he offers you forgiveness today for the wrong that you've done. He's disarmed the powers of evil, and he has taken the sting out of death for you. And, and his invitation is to believe in him. It's a very simple invitation. It's just to believe, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and his death and his resurrection. And if you are a follower of Jesus, 
Uh, Christ has given you the victory over sin today. Like you have, a, you have victory over, maybe like you're struggling, maybe you would even call it an addiction today. Maybe you're, you feel uh, enchained today. Maybe you feel enslaved today. You're, in, you're, bo- you're bound down by something. But you have victory over that thing in your life because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, you have victory over evil today, that Jesus has disarmed the powers uh, in his name. There is victory in his name today over evil today, and, and you also have victory over death today. Though, though we, our bodies may die, we know that eventually one day that we will be with him forever as well. We no longer fear death because Jesus has triumphed over death. Though we may die, we know we will rise again because he has risen. He is victorious. And so let's share in the triumphs of Jesus today. Let's pray together. So Lord Jesus, I just pray today that for those here who maybe they're struggling maybe they've never met you or know you, that today they would believe the truth, that you, that you have triumphed over all these things so that we can have life and have it abundantly, God. And for us in here who have maybe been following you a long time, maybe, maybe we are dealing with uh, uh, habitual sin in our lives, God, and we need freedom today. And, we, we, and it might feel like the hole that we've dug ourselves into is too deep. God, today I, I pray that we would realize that you have triumphed over sin, that in you, that you have forgiven us, and even the things that tempt us, God, that you have power over that, you have disarmed those things, and that we would lean in and that we would trust in your triumph. And God, for those of us who may, maybe we just live fear, fearful, and God, today that, that, that we, would, uh, we would remember Jesus' words, that, that, that he said these things to us so that we might have peace and that we would believe that he has overcome the world and because he has overcome, that we overcome with him and that there's no enemy or darkness or evil that can keep us from him because he has ultimately won. God, maybe we just maybe maybe we just fear the end, God. We fear death, and that we would just believe and know for certain, God, that you have been victorious, and that we will be with you again, and that we look forward to when we meet you face to face, and what a day that's going to be, because you have won. So, God, we love you. God, would you be with us as we as we respond a little bit, God? In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.